Denver Rubber Company is your reliable long-term partner for all of your projects, and they have been since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products, from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing. And with the snow regularly on the ground these days, they are your one-stop shop for anything snow plows. They create awesome snow plow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. And they're double-sided, so when one side wears down along the road, you can just flip it around and you have a whole new snow plow blade. Plus, they've been locally owned here in Denver since 1972. Be sure to call them today for any of those snow plow needs or if you're working on any other projects that use rubber fittings, hoses, whatever you name it. Reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has over 1,000 different varieties of beer, and between their two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, they have wines and liquors from around the world. You can also download their app and get incredible deals online and even get your alcohol shipped right to your front door. Be sure to give them a try. Maybe just order Breck Brew the next time you're looking for that from them. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Haithley. The Avs got back in the win column last night, defeating what starts to feel like the Avs East. Used to be Columbus. These days it feels like the island is starting to just collect old Avs, as if you technically want to count Johnny Boychuk, they have three of them. AJ, you gotta like that performance against old Semyon Varlamov, yeah? <clears throat> Maybe more than um, Semyon Varlamov, man. The you remember last year after the uh, the Isles came into Denver and the Avs struggled for a few games and then that few games turned into two months? Yeah. And it was like, Barry Trotz broke the Avs. <laughs> he has exposed the secret on how to beat their system. And then the Avs went into the, the island this year and lost one nothing, and it was like, okay, this is a problem. Last night was encouraging because it felt like, it, honestly, once they got the one nothing lead, it wasn't very close after that. Like, the Isles had one deflection that hit off the post. And the rest of the night, Pavel Francouz shut the door. Did not, did not really open up any opportunities for them to do anything outside of the puck that he misplayed that ended up in the net because they just ran into him and pushed the puck in. Like... Really, he was really good. I thought defensively they were rock solid. And that for a game against a Barry Trotz team, that was pretty easy. Right. Uh, Isles were held to just 18 shots through the first two periods to the Avs 26 as well. They were 
very in control of the game from the beginning. And I mean, you know, I, I always flip flop on these type of things with the, the story that defense win championships. I do believe that to a certain extent, but for a team like the Isles, when they when their scoring goes cold, this is what happens. I think they had like three goals in their last four games coming in tonight, tonight or something. Uh, two. So, two. So there you go. That When the scoring dries up on a team that scores as little as the Isles do, suddenly it doesn't take a ton to beat them. Yeah, it's definitely true. Uh, the, the Avs did get them uh, in a 4-2 at this time where they are struggling uh, offensively a little bit more than normal. But how many times have they have the abs been the elixir for a team yeah, that's been struggling, true. you know? But it doesn't happen all the time, but it's happened enough that it's been frustrating. And it's it was good. Two teams coming in on three-game losing streak. Something had to give. Uh, and it wasn't Colorado. I mean, they... Always they, nice they, to see that, yeah. It was, it was just an encouraging night where it was like, look, like the Owls are a good team. This this is a, a, just given the fact that they were on a three game losing streak, how they got there doesn't really matter, which, you know, if you if you look at it, it's kind of a brutal way to get a, a three game losing streak to lose two games in the last three minutes of regulation and an overtime game like that's messed up. So definitely pretty brutal. <laughs> they got back on. They got back on the right side of it. And hey, they're they're one. They're one point back again. Yeah, they're they got the people that needed to step up to step up, not just McKinnon and McCarr, who, by the way, had incredible games. Yeah, but some depth production from Jonas Donskoy, uh, a tip-in goal from Jake Landeskog. Needed that. It's right. The guys that the Avs have been getting by without them doing too much have started to produce again with all of these injuries, and that's exactly the way they needed it to go. Um. A couple of milestones in this game. Andre Burakovsky scores his 20th goal of the season. The first year he's scored 20. I love that goal just because it went in and I was like, wow, I've probably watched that goal get scored on Varley like 75 times. Right. It, it was so familiar. It, yep. it went in and I kind of just was like, cool. No, hey, there was no reaction whatsoever. <laughs> there was, it was just like, yep. All right. That's a Varley that's goal. That's how you score on him, I guess. Uh, on the same goal, McKinnon got the assist there for his 50th assist of the season. Uh, that marks his third straight season with 50 assists. He's already, you know, that puts him in the elite of the elite when it comes to Avalanche history. You're talking about the best players to ever play for the organization. So, um, yeah, he's there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, last night moved into a tie for second place in the NHL in scoring. Did he? I thought he jumped McDavid. Oh, he did, but I think he said with Pasternak. Oh, did Pasta get to 84? Okay. Yep, he did. There you go. So, either way. It's like, I checked it at like 2 o'clock in the morning and just trusted that they updated it. Yeah, you never know with the NHL. Um, yeah, it's a total moving target with them. Sometimes <laughs> they get to it immediately, and other times it's like four hours later. Unfortunately, second is the best McKinnon is likely to do because I don't think anyone's catching Dreisaitl. But, yeah, I mean, barring injury, it's definitely unlikely. Man, so <clears throat> we'll see. You never know. Maybe they, they'll give it to McKinnon MVP-wise anyway. Don't count on it, but... um, Yeah, one goal in each period for the Avs. 
That was also encouraging. It was a little bit more consistency. They did definitely let their foot off the gas after they got up three, nothing, but the game was basically over at that point. Yeah. I, once it was three, nothing like the aisles didn't put their foot on the gas until there was like five minutes to go. Right. And at that point it was like, cool. And then the goal that they scored was nonsense anyway. (laughs) It was just a total pinball-y puck for sure. But and like it just it just it rolls right off McCarr's stick and it just rolls right to where Brock Nelson was standing and he was like, "Okay, I guess." <laughs> yep, Francois just not allowed to get a shutout apparently. But <coughs> yeah, he he did play significantly better than we saw against Tampa and you know sure the Islanders' offense has been struggling but that's the Francois the Abs need until Grubauer gets back basically he's got to be able yeah. to do that type of thing. Definitely need to see him do that this weekend in California. Yep. Got to find a way to to get some points there, especially, you know, if you win the Anaheim game on the front half, that's five out of the last six points for you. And then I don't know if it's house money against L.A., but certainly you're feeling a whole lot better than if you drop the Anaheim game. Then the L.A. is basically a must win. So. It's a tough spot for the Avs until Grubauer gets back. If Francois plays like that, it doesn't feel nearly as much of a struggle on the whole. The Avs are done with the Islanders, another team from the East. They finally get to swing back a little bit on some West Coast teams for a minute here before the trade deadline. Do play Buffalo and Carolina afterward. So it's just kind of a a weird choppy schedule where – they continue to bounce a little bit all over the place. They do play at home quite a bit more in March, but I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about all these games against weaker Central Division teams later in the year. Gotta have them. I mean... That's the simple way to put it, yeah. They played Nashville once. So... You want to put a stop to a team trying to catch you? Just beat them. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, and... uh you know, Nashville, I think Nashville's got to steer down the barrel of reality here. Yeah. They've been, they've been pushing. They've been trying to get themselves into a position where they could say, Hey, we can do, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. They're three points out. They've got four games in hand on Arizona. You could totally see them doing it, but they just keep humming along at like, Six out of the last ten, they win. Yeah, and it's Barely just like five hundred, and it's it's difficult. You're not catching anybody at that pace, you know. Like they've made up ground on the teams in front of them because basically everybody except Dallas has been about the same pace in the last ten, but that won't last, right? When it comes to crunch time, everyone who follows the Central Division knows better. Yeah, you're not going separate. seven and three. You're not doing enough. Definitely, teams teams separate, and you know Chicago probably did themselves a favor by uh, by falling off like they have. There's no question mark there anymore. There's no temptation. Yeah, sell, sell on one of your goalies if you can. Move bit parts. Be smart. All right. Well, 
we can potentially talk about some of those goalies in a little bit, but first, we have a watch party coming up on Saturday for that LA game. Yes, we Highly do. Highly recommend y'all come out for it. It's going to be at Blake Street Tavern. It's a late night party on the weekend. We can hang out all night long, talk hockey, do all that. I'll be there, so please come chat me up, have a yeah. few Breck brews with me, and we can make fun of the Kings being bad. I That's what I want to do, basically. We will both be there. So you should definitely come and hang out with Rudo. There you go. AJ will be there. Someone come hang out with him, too. Way too many were hanging out with me at our little get-together. AJ needs some love. No, 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 no. This was, <laughs> this was ideal. I will also have to be writing, so. That's fair. <laughs> so I guess come hang out with AJ, and he'll shoot you away to me, and we'll call it good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just going to be a fun time. Like I said, there'll be plenty of Breck Blue. Blue? Sure. Breck Brew flowing. RSVP, you also get a chance to win lower bowl tickets to an Avs game. Yeah, it's it's worth it. Trust me. Come on, show up, hang out. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We talked about him before the game. I'd like to talk about him a little bit more here. Martin Kaut. He did get into the game. He ended up playing just seven minutes in 47 seconds, which was not low man on the abs. That was TJ Tynan, but felt a little short to me. And on the one hand, I'm not surprised. We see Bednar do this all the time. When he gets that 2-0 lead, he leans on some very specific players a lot. Still, Kout's game on the whole, I thought was quite solid. He had a couple of active involvements on the offense, nearly scored a goal, and was very solid with the puck in the few instances that he did get involved. Um, I really didn't have any complaints, but let's also be honest, like this was not like a spectacular debut or anything. Sure. He didn't blow anyone out of the water. He just kind of was. Right. It was it was a solid debut. It was something for him to build off of. Seven minutes was predictable. The extra 40 seconds came because he was basically standing there pinning the puck against the ice for those 40 seconds uh, <laughs> along the wall that uh, led to the uh, drawing a penalty, actually. But ultimately, he was fine. He, he honestly did more forechecking than anything else. Yep. Um, just because that was just sort of how it worked out for him. But, oh, came very close to scoring. Yeah, beautiful pass by Sam Gerrard and just couldn't quite redirect it on net, but had a the couple of other... too, that, that, yeah. that he showed to, to tap the stick for that in the NHL debut. A lot of times you'll see rookies be shy. They won't do something like that. Uh, so for him to, him to be feeling it enough that he felt good enough to do that. Very encouraging. Should should not be too worried about uh, the moment being too big for him uh, moving forward. A guy that we've always been excited about, and I think is he's in a good he's in a good place. He's in a proper role. This is this is a really encouraging development on the season as a whole. He also gave me my sauerkraut moment after missing that goal, and the whistle came, and he looked to the sky frustrated. So that's all I really <laughs> I thought wanted. about you, and was yeah. like, "There it is." <laughs> he got what he was after. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, very simplified role for him. The abs in the offensive zone pretty much just 
wanted him to go right to the net front and, and be that type of guy, kind of like Landy does to a certain extent. Yep. Um, so I think he filled in the role fine. It does seem like he will continue at least over the next couple of games. So we'll see how the time of ice starts to come, how the play starts to develop for him. Yeah. Um, we'll see if the Avs want to add anything around the rest of the team here. Joe Sackick did talk on altitude last night about looking for a potential backup type goalie just in case looking at other options, but you know, they're going to be picky. They're going to be selective on what they want. On the other hand, there are always rumors swirling. Nemesnikov is being held out by Ottawa tonight, though it does not sound like there's any deal done yet. So who knows, AJ? Yeah, Nemesnikov is a guy that I've talked about them uh, having chased in the past as well. Yep. So definitely could be an option. It continues to sound like if you were drafted in the first round or you are a first round pick, you're probably safe. Um, the Avs don't really seem interested in moving things like that, but if the right deal comes along, you never know, right? Pretty much. I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, I think I've been a little bit behind today just cause I got home so late and I stayed up all night writing the, uh, the piece that's up on DNVR right now, which, Hey, go read that. Yeah, definitely go read it. Um, <clears throat> but um, what I've what I've since, since getting up and catching up a little bit around here, um, I, I've been able to the the abs don't want a pure rental. They just it's not where they're at. Um, they might kind of be forced into it if that's all that they can get. But I think they would do the Nemesnikov type of rental before they would do the Kreider type of rental where it's like maybe you give up a mid-round pick for this guy instead of, you know, first-round pick and a prospect and an NHL route. And, you know, this ends, it ends up being one of those things where you look back and you're just like, oh, my gosh. I gave up all this for 20 games of Chris Kreider. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then you know, a hopeful playoff run, you know. It, yeah. <clears throat> It's, you know, Kreider's from the Northeast. It sounds like he wants to stay back there, prefers the East, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with it. I mean, it would be, wouldn't be the first time that that ended up being like not as big a deal as people make it out to be when we talk about the deadline. Sure. But uh, at the same time, it's. You know what are you what are you gonna do, right? Like, yeah, you're you're committed to a certain vision. You're gonna keep your top prospects. That's gonna take you out of certain things, you know. And it's a, frankly, it's encouraging that you know Newhook and Byram and Timmons and maybe even Bowers and Cout are just not going anywhere. Yeah, they're, they're like, look, we have this windfall of likely NHL talent on ELCs that we really like that we think can help us throughout our roster. We're not giving that up. We're just and, not going to dip into it. Well, and and you look at those guys, right? Cout now is in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Connor Timmons and Bowen Byram have been killing it in the AHL for the majority of the season, at least when healthy. And 
then Bowen Byram this past month has decided to be an absolute beast in the dub. So the Avs can sit there and say, we deserve a King's ransom if you want these guys involved in the trade. Yeah, they can give it a whirl. Yeah. And so <clears throat> thing <clears throat> the the when talking about Montreal specifically, just because they sure. did such a hot topic. Yeah. It sounds like the the Tatar thing is just not a big deal. Like it's not something that they are like focused on. Alrighty. Um they've had the conversations, but eh. I think the name that that that's going to come out of Montreal, if if those te- two teams ultimately do decide to dance, uh, I think it's going to be Max Domi. They have pursued Max Domi going back to his time in Arizona, where when the the Coyotes were looking to give him away, <clears throat> Colorado was heavily involved in those negotiations throughout, uh, and he kind of fits their profile of we want a younger guy that we're gonna we're gonna keep. That we're gonna, hey, we'll give up assets to get him. That's a guy that they would be willing to spend something on, you know, and and but also that's a guy that, hey, they will they will keep that guy. That's right. a he will be in Colorado for the next handful of years, assuming it does doesn't go like disastrously. RFA at the end of the season. This year on about a, a forty eight point pace, uh, he has had Last year was huge for him, a 70-point player, but more realistically over his career, you're probably looking at about that 50-point number. Um, you know, maybe part of that, he can he can up it a little bit playing on a talented team like the Avs, but certainly would fit the Avs window more than in the immediate, well, both really, but being an RFA at the end of the year, the Avs would have to look at signing him, and you know, if that's a a three-year deal would buy one of his UFA years for the abs and, and take him to McKinnon's next contract. So from that standpoint, I think he certainly fits very well. They've talked a lot about, or I suppose we have talked a lot about the abs adding some grit. Domi can definitely bring that. Even if he is a little bit on the smaller side, he's not afraid to back down or won't back down from anyone. So, yeah. Interesting. It definitely probably the most interesting piece on the Habs. I I wasn't really sure if if the, he was even going to get moved by them, but if he's on the table, you know, uh, it comes down to what the Habs are willing to move and and what the Habs are wanting for him. But I think that's a better move than Tatar. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and you know the other the other conversation. It's funny we talked about it yesterday. Was Ryan Graves. Yeah. Um, and they really like him. He, of, when, of course they do. He fits everything that Mark Bergevin believes a defenseman should be. Yep. And honestly, even if, <clears throat> and going back to Tatar, just, just want sure. to put this sure. out there that if Graves ends up as like a centerpiece of a Tatar deal, I'm okay with that. But, yeah. I'm, right. It, you know, it, it always comes down to value. You'll take, pretty much anybody for a sixth round pick or whatever, right? Sure. But like, like Graves is like, when we, when you're talking about, you know, um, Connor Timmons for a guy like Tatar, you know, totally NHL unproven, right? Two NHL games. And then he played like 15 whole minutes in between those two games or something like, an unproven NHL player, but one that a lot of people believe has a very bright future. 
you're trading the rest of that guy's career for right 18 months of of Tatar. Yeah. Are you more comfortable trading the rest of Connor Timmons's career or Ryan Graves's career? Well, it's just a it's a sense of you already know what Ryan Graves is in the NHL, right? Right. His ceiling is pretty apparent, and that's certainly an NHL player, but Definitely. that dude's not going to be in your top pairing anytime ever, and realistically, probably not your top four. So, how much do you believe in the magic beans, I guess? And if you believe Connor Timmons is a top four defenseman, then obviously there's more value there. Yeah, um, I just think that given the ages of the players involved. Yeah. It's if, if they could get, if that's what they choose to do is make Ryan Graves, that centerpiece, they did well. Uh, if they don't end up doing any of that, it's also okay. Like them just keeping this defense intact is fine. Uh, the only way the Avs lose at this deadline is if they way overpay for something, right? Right. I Yeah. Uh, if you're going to give up your first round pick for something, it cannot be for something that's gone in the summer. Right. Exactly. And so. maybe even next year. Like, I don't, I don't think that Colorado is in the business of doing that. I think that, to be honest with you, I think Sackick felt burned. After the Brassard thing? No, after after the uh, Bodker, okay, fair. Um, Sean Mathias thing, trying to make big moves for rentals <clears throat> and it just going nowhere essentially. Right, and like, and those guys, <laughs> those guys ended up being good, and they had injuries down. The you remember they got uh, McKinnon yeah. and Duchesne and like and all like they everybody else got hurt and only those guys were hanging around producing. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, studs, and it just didn't matter. Right, exactly. It just didn't matter. It ultimately just ended up not mattering. And, you know, they could have, they could have, at least with Bleakley, you could have used that, you know? And Kyle Wood, we knew the moment he was traded, that wasn't a big deal. There were like four people upset about that, and but that, that was not a big thing at all. Like, sure. A defenseman that can't, a defenseman that can't skate backwards, you're not worried about that guy coming back to haunt you. And I did, but I, I do think that there was a feeling of got burned by a, a, a system that really does not, it's just not designed to reward teams that are buying at the deadline. Like the deadline is, let's, let me put it this way. I think if the NHL did away with the NHL trade deadline, teams would not do this. Right. It's just that the deadline makes teams panic and forces action, basically. It, it. I think it encourages teams to feel like they have to do something. I just think it's in, the whole thing is a psychological game. And that if the deadline didn't exist, I don't think there would be teams that would be out there throwing away draft picks on... You know, like somebody might trade for, you know, I, I'm so convinced Nate Thompson is getting a fifth round pick in the next few days <laughs> because it's just such an NHL team thing to do where they're like, oh, like he's like, you know, coaches love guys like that. They are plug and play guys. They have a hard ceiling. Everybody knows it, but they're very easy to put into your lineup and play and trust that guy. 
And if you don't have somebody in your fourth line center spot that you feel that way about, it's a really easy guy to just be like, oh, well, we've upgraded. And what did we give up? Not much. And I just, you know, if there was no deadline, I don't think teams would do that. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. But either way, whatever the abs do at the deadline, I guarantee you it will be game changing, game changing. Indeed, just like Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD infused coffee, which you can now purchase in K-Cups if you're a Keurig type of person. And of course, they still have whole bean or a ground available as well. You can go online and use code DNBR20 for 20% off your purchase and you can now try it in and around denver at a few locations including carbon cafe and bar drip denver slow high coffee blue sparrow coffee and max market highly recommend you give it a shot if you have not tried it before cbd is not psychoactive and it is rich and tasty as well as strava says drink deeply live fully and get value at the trade deadline it's pretty simple uh, be, be sure to use that DNBR20 code to get that 20% off and save yourself some money. Third period of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. AJ, we kind of ended off that conversation in the second period talking about trying to get value at the trade deadline. And at the same time, would NHL GMs even really be that interested in moving as many pieces as they do if the deadline wasn't there? So my question is, are players more expensive at the deadline? Are they cheaper at the deadline? Does it just kind of depend on the situation? Um, <clears throat> I think that in a way, they are definitely more expensive. You know, uh, for example, could the Avs have gotten Burakovsky la- at last year's deadline for a second and a third? I don't know. I don't either, but... <clears throat> The thing in that situation is, for Washington, the second and third round pick are not going to do anything for them in their run for the Stanley Cup. Right. Whereas Burkowski will. So I think that's where, when you talk about, it's not maybe necessarily more expensive. It's that the the pool of players is a lot bigger. Uh, it's, it's It's a lot larger, a lot wider field because... Teams with cap problems right now, most of the teams with cap problems are teams that are competing for the cup or or at least a playoff spot. And then you get into the summer and teams with cap problems are not competing for anything. They're just trying to solve cap problems. And so a guy like a Burakovsky who's on an expensive qualifying offer does come available and the picks The picks do matter. So a little bit less about value, maybe, but more about availability as in because who's who's selling right now? You know, who is who's giving up players? Bottom feeders, obviously. But it it, you have teams like Arizona's got Phil Kessel, you know, right. if they don't make the, say they don't make the playoffs right now, Arizona could be looking at uh, Taylor Hall walking as a free agent and maybe they put Phil Kessel back on the market. You know, maybe they don't, he's signed. So, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe, maybe they decide, Hey, this is how this hasn't worked. Our commitment to getting 
as 30 year old as we possibly can every summer is blowing up in our face over and over, you know, like maybe that just doesn't go well for them. And they decide to move on. You know, there there's a, teams that just, you know, Vegas is in super go for it mode at all times. Apparently, you know, the, it's just that there's a wider pool of players available is, is the point that I'm making here. Uh, teams teams that aren't looking to to give away players or to tweak rosters or to try and balance a roster with say a forward for a defenseman. No, they're just trying to add a defenseman and they're trying to they're trying to use picks and prospects because that that's that's right now that's just that's currency and they're not players. They're looking for teams at the deadline are looking for players. Sure, they want to win now type players generally. The Avs, of course, may have a longer-term outlook on that, but a player that can certainly help the team significantly in the immediate as well. Max Domi would absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the question then there becomes, take a Max Domi. He's an RFA at the end of the year. If that is a type of player that wants to win a cup, Mikel Bodker was very much the same way after the Avs acquired him they missed the playoffs he goes to free agency he takes a sweetheart deal with san jose because he thinks that he can go there and win a cup mm-hmm. are the abs in a position like that are they a team where players are going to go hey i think i can go here and win a cup one absolutely two the abs are still pretty flush with cap space you they know sure they are they will use it wisely because every interview sacking does he talks about having to re-sign these guys right so yep. it's very much on everybody's mind in that front office that they they know that the expense uh, the, the the expensive cap days are very nearly upon them. I do think though that that's you know that they they could be that team you know that they Mikhail Bodker would you know say the the Abs make a Mikhail Bodker deal type deal today, which. I don't know what the equivalent to that would be. Um, I guess maybe Chris Kreider. Bodker was like one of the top guys at that year's deadline. Probably more expensive. Kreider's probably more expensive. But. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm I'm just not sure who the equivalent would be, but pick a free agent. I got one of these guys. Go with JG Paggio. Sure. And the Avs trade for him. And then, you know, things go well. He, he plays really well as the two line center, as the two C. Kadri comes back, he ends up down as 3C, and then, you know, the, the it, it all works the way that they all, everybody involved hopes. And, you know, maybe they make a deep run, they win the cup, they don't win the cup, whatever. But the, the relationship works. You know, then maybe he signs a multi-year deal in the offseason and, and does it for a little bit cheaper because he does think that he can win a cup here and he does think, hey, these guys are really close, I want to be a part of this. I can fit in here. I know that this works. I can move my family here. Colorado's actually super dope. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. You know, sure. Maybe it's possible. So just kind of an interesting change of of balances to the scales, I guess, with maybe the Avs are a team that are attractive to free agents now instead of having to go out and kind of dig or, or maybe give a bigger offer than some other teams might. and. Is there so does that help the argument for saying the Avs should do nothing this deadline and and wait to make their moves in the off season? Are are they fit enough as is to potentially make a cup run 
and then go out and get better without giving up too many assets? Uh, I think I think that they can definitely make a cup run when they're healthy. Um, I I think that their schedule is weak enough that the, you could even say that they could make a decent run through the West um, as is right now, just kind of depending on what matchups are and how things go, you know, whatever. But when they get to the offseason – their desire to improve, like where they go and where they go and look to to get better, it's going to be the same as today. Right. The only thing that will change is what I mentioned earlier, is that there will be more teams that will willing be willing to, to part with people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's maybe that's the best argument for holding on and waiting because, you know, look at last year. Nazem Kadri wasn't available at last year's deadline. Yep. The Leafs were trying to push. I can tell you Tyson Berry wasn't either. Yep. Like, they needed those guys for what they were trying to do in in season. So, that, you know, maybe the biggest deal of last summer couldn't have even happened at last year's deadline just because both of those teams needed those players. So, if there's, if, if, to me, that would be the strongest argument. To, to to standing pat and to not doing anything outside of the depth goalie that we know they're going to trade for. Right. Which, honestly, it's funny that they're even talking about this now because you and I talked about it a lot over the summer. I especially did not like their plan over the summer. And now the it's kind of time to pay, you know, the the, it, the it's coming to fruition. Like you they're settled on Hunter Miska lie in the bed you made basically. He, well, and like and now like you guys are gonna what? You're gonna trade for Aaron Dell or you're gonna trade for Georgiev out of out of out of New York and like then what do you do with that guy? Like one, you're gonna have to give up an asset that actually matters. And two, what's the plan from there? I mean, or they could just claim Louis Domingue off waivers. And that's what they should do. If that's if they really wanted another goaltender and they were like, look, we just really aren't comfortable playing Hunter Miska in the back-to-back this weekend, Louis Domingue is, is not great, but he can win some NHL games for you. And and if Francois is going to be your guy for the next couple of weeks until Gruby is back, then Domingue is a perfectly acceptable to backup that plays twice uh, in the back-to-backs the next two weeks. Yep. And that's it. And like that's that's what you do, because right now... I would play Francois in every single game, and I'm not. And again, no offense, I'm not playing Hunter Miska. Right, you're trying to win a division. I'm not playing Hunter Miska. They had no choice earlier in the year with Werner and Bebo. Right now, they've got you know. Right now, Francois is healthy, so they can make choices. They've got a deadline on Monday where you know they can make some moves here and there. But this really, this this really, this position is a result of what they decided to do last summer. They rolled the dice; it didn't work out, and now they're trying to 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 scramble at the last minute to just play it safe when they should have played it safe last summer. See, this is where I disagree with you a little bit. I think because I'm perfectly fine with playing Hunter Miska for a couple of back-to-back games down the stretch here until Grubauer gets healthy. I I think the Avs are a talented enough team that they can get away with that. If you want to roll that dice, like, look, the way that I feel about it, if an NHL team wants to roll that dice, fine. Like, yeah. YOLO. 
That especially because if, if you don't want to give up an asset, a meaningful asset for an Arendelle or right, exactly. you know, what, whatever, then that's fine. But you have to re- understand, like, you put yourself in this position. Sure. You they, don't, if you're not comfortable in this position, it's because you did this to yourself. Right. I, I don't, I would be a little bit disappointed if they paid something for a goalie after making the decision not to do this, not to go out and get one earlier. It, it would be a little nonsensical to me to do that. You trusted this to work as is. And Adam Werner is playing games again in the AHL. If you want to go that route with it, instead of Hunter Miska, I, it's unfortunate that Bebo got hurt because they were obviously willing to play him in NHL games more than Miska. Um, but this is a situation where it feels like giving up anything is, is paying too much. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with it. And if Hunter Miska has to play a couple games and the abs can even win one of them, fine. I'm not worried about that. Either way, uh, the Avs head into this weekend with the back-to-back against Anaheim and L.A. Francois will certainly play one of those games. As A.J. mentioned, there's probably a good chance he plays both if they don't go out and get a goaltender. A.J., final thoughts, expectations for these coming games? Um, Anaheim has presented, you know, despite the fact that Anaheim's kind of bad, um, they have had Colorado's number that's it's Anaheim's like the last bastion of the classic teams who have always given Colorado problems, no matter what. And Colorado has beaten a lot of those teams in this year, recent years and kind of, kind of ended those stigmas. Anaheim still is like the last one that really has it. I think going on still. So uh, I'm, curious to see how this goes and then obviously i think uh i think they'll be a little pumped up to take on la indoors and without tyler to i think yeah. that could be a fun night put that stomp down <laughs> i i think that they're that's one where they might try and win that game in the first period yeah score more than a few yeah so picked a good one for the watch party hopefully <laughs> Uh, they'll certainly be looking for revenge and, and yeah, when the and ice is in a mess. Reminder, come out to that watch party and make sure that you guys are SVP to the Eventbrite, all that stuff. Um, you know, we really, we love these events. We haven't done as many abs events uh, as we have in recent years um, for a number of reasons, but we definitely are very excited to do this and we want to see you guys out there. We want to see you guys at Blake Street, we want to hang out, we want to talk hockey, and we want to watch them smoke the Kings. Talking hockey and smoke the Kings, I can't think of a much better way to spend a Saturday night. So, Say it. As AJ said, be sure to RSVP, because if you do that, you can win prizes at the event. You don't want to miss out on free stuff. That is going to do it for us. Right, exactly. See, everyone wants to win stuff, even, even me, so... I, I'm not allowed, but you can. Either way, we're getting out of here before I lose it. So thank you for listening, and you will hear again from us tomorrow with all of your trade deadline trades. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products and has everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals of five cartridges for 100 bucks. 
When you sign up for their loyalty program, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase, and you can get that once every single month. If you're already signed up, all you have to do is mention DNBR, and you'll be good to go with that. They have a convenient location on 9th and Broadway and even have parking in the back to make your life as easy as possible. Again, as you head on down there, you get in and out quick. Just mention DNBR and sign up for their loyalty program to get 20% off. DNBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNBR Avalanche with AJ Hayfully.